often. Faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey friends, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. My name is Matt Kinzera, and I'm glad to be with you as always today. And today we're going to jump right in because we're talking about something that you know I'm very passionate about, and that is full inclusion of the LGBTQ plus community in our faith circles. So who better to have a conversation about this with than Susan Cottrell of Freed Hearts. Well, Susan Cottrell, so excited to have you on the show. And before we jump in and talk about the millions of things that are on my mind that I want to talk to you about, why don't you just give the listeners a 30,000 foot view of who you are, where you come from and what you do. Awesome. Well, thank you. Yes, we were in the evangelical church, my husband and I for 20 years, and then one and then two of our five kids came out as queer and suddenly we realized that our theology made no sense it made no sense the way it was being uh asked to be imposed by the the church community and so we shifted everything we let the cards fall and it opened up things in our hearts that we had no idea were closed no idea existed and I always say we are so much more loving now and more like Jesus now than we ever were when we were in the church. <laughs> we, we're kind, we're loving, we're forbearing, you know, all those things. And we thought we were at the time, but we're, we're completely different. Anyway, so now I, we do full-time work, advocacy work for this community. We help restore people's hearts from all the things they've been lied to about, about themselves, uh, help them stop hating themselves and start loving themselves. We work a lot with the LGBTQ community, and we also work a lot with parents and other family members to help them understand where the theology went wrong and how to get to a different place that they didn't think was possible when uh, the person came out you know it's been just remarkable to be able to do this work it's a real honor yeah when i just thank you from the bottom of my heart for the work that you and your husband have committed doing as well as a father of lgbtq plus kids myself it's mm-hmm. it, you know it you you wouldn't understand it if you didn't go through it right like so many things in life um you can be yeah. a, an ally you can be a supporter but there's something to be said about the emotions and the feelings and the struggles, especially if you're a person of faith, and especially if you're in, in the evangelical circles, there's something yes. to be said of, of being arm in arm with people that are like you, that are going through the same thing that can offer yes. all sorts of advice and resources. And that's definitely what you and your husband offer as well. Can you share if you feel comfortable a little bit more? Because yeah, <laughs> because <laughs> I could talk man, all day. <laughs> yeah, but I remember. So, so my oldest daughter, she's just about nineteen now, and when she came out, she she 
began the conversation when she was in fifth grade with us. And then she came out officially when she was in ninth grade. At that time, we were pastoring a community that was an inner city missional community that was supported almost 100% by evangelical churches. So all the money was wrapped up in being the- theologically correct, according to them on some level. Yes. And I can't tell you the challenges that my mind had to go through to kind of work that out in my head. I was basically choosing between my church family, my career and my kid. And I know your story is somewhat similar. So do you mind sharing a little bit about what that was like for you and your husband? Yeah, well, we had been in the church for 20 years and we were, you know, we were teachers and Bible school, Bible, whatever, study teachers and led retreats and all that kind of stuff. Not as our living, which I'm really grateful for. We didn't have to deal with that. Um, and that's a good way, by the way, to keep people really locked in is to have their their salary tied up into it. So by the time A came out, they went by Annie at the time and now are Ash. So they're gender nonconforming now. And uh, it was it was a big shock. We didn't really expect it, but I knew in that instant that we'd never be the same in the church again, that we'd never fit in there again. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were, they were at college. I mean, I could have not even talked about it, but then who am I? If I'm not even talking about my child in my place of worship, so to speak, it called to mind all of the things that I had observed and tucked away previously, the way there were no black people in our church, except one girl who was adopted by a white family, you know, a girl from Nigeria. And I thought, why, why are there no black people? And there were no different, there were no poor people in the the last church we went to, we happened to live in a wealthy area. We were not wealthy, but we were kind of on the fringes of it. And it was such a specific group of people that had no connection to those who were really out there in the world hurting that we could be life to. And I looked at how Jesus treated people and how the church treated people. And I thought, this is not okay. This is not a match. And I just let it all fall. And that took a lot of courage. I just want to say to any parents or families or people out there that may be facing this, it takes a lot of courage to let everything fall and to look at your faith from a different perspective. And, and the first words out of people's mouth to me are always, you know, if I'm wrong about this, what else am I wrong about? And, and that's terrifying for people, but if you let it fall, you will discover something you had no idea was available. I just listened to a, um, a skier, gold medal skier, Vaughn, I think, who said, uh, when she falls, it's like 85 miles an hour. And she said, when you fall, you really have to try to go limp because mm-hmm. when you try to guide yourself in a fall, you're going to really break things. But if you go limp, you will be less hurt. And I think it's kind of like that with this journey. The more you try to hold on to the pieces, the more shards are going to be just cutting into your hands. And when you can just let it go, you discover how much was false. And there's a beauty that emerges 
that's just breathtaking. I, I feel like my life now is breathtaking compared to when I was, you know, rank and file in the evangelical church. That was so unsatisfying. I look back now and realize, you know, just that idea of, of letting go being limp. Mm-hmm. And I had verbatim, uh, this is probably the last actual conversation I had with an evangelical pastor, not too long ago, a number of months ago, wanted to sit down and talk to me specifically about my, my views on how I can read the Bible and, you know, still be comfortable right. with being fully in- inclusive. And it was a wonderful conversation. His heart was, right. was lovely in it. And so I'm not trying to to shove him under the bus, but he said that those exact same <laughs> words. He said, if I rethink this, then what else do I have to rethink? Right. And I just looked him in the eyes and I said, exactly. Don't, exactly. I think, don't we want to know where we're wrong? Yes. Don't we want to know where we're, we're tied up? Don't we on some level yes. just want to go limp and see what's, what's at the end of the fall and including relationships, including faith, including who's there and who's right. not, you know? Yeah. And that whole brand of Christianity is just immersed in fear. You're afraid you'll be unfaithful. And when somebody actually breaks rank and finds finds a window out, instead of looking at, at them as a prophet to follow, we look at them as a fallen prophet. And it's such a loss when we can't see what people are discovering as they let their existing faith fall apart. And Jesus said such a beautiful, beautiful phrase. He said, you're you're following traditions of men. And much of the evangelical church, I, I discovered now in retrospect, it's traditions of men. The way we view, the way we just cut and dry these categories, like the kind of way we can just wash our hands of those who are hurting is just mind-blowing it's it's tragic and you know the bible has six verses have been corrupted to reject lgbtq they don't even mean that and yet and, and people just grab them and ride them out but there are 300 verses that say to help people in in need where is that outcry why do you think and i don't mean to to get you on a soapbox at all or anything here, Susan, but <laughs> it's very easy. To do. <laughs> <laughs> why, why do you think it's, there's so many things that Christians evangelical church could choose as their, their yeah. things to, to get on their high horse about why, why is this one so specifically harsh? Why this, this LGBTQ yeah. inclusion, why is this the hill to die on for so many people who label themselves as conservative Christians? Yeah, it was introduced as that issue. In the 70s, we had the moral majority, the um, Jerry Falwell, senior, (laughs) Pat Robertson, who did this whole thing about how evil and wicked gays are, and dangerous homosexuals are, you know, to your children and all of these things that was just pumped into the culture. And Anita Bryant, and all of that. I mean, if, if you're under, I don't know, 40, whatever, 50, look it up and see what the moral majority did. But they created a scapegoat for specific political gain, true story. And that is like, it's like pouring toxins into the sea. It takes forever to get them out again. 
And that's the toxin we are experiencing in the church. Because it's very easy to have a scapegoat that you know you aren't. And, and the men who introduced this, that was a very convenient scapegoat. They didn't realize some of their kids would be and all the damage it's done. But that's what I also mean about traditions of men. It was just some men thought this up. Let's make this be the thing. It seems like there's nothing easier to rally people around than a common enemy. It's fascinating that an organization that's predominantly run by a bunch of white men would choose this issue along with the the issue of abortion, two things that couldn't be farther from their reality to choose as a common enemy. Right. And they're not, and they're duplicitous in that they're not even really seeking out and listening uh, those for whom it is the reality. They're not interested. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Yeah. It, okay. It never was about that. Okay. Okay. I could, I could, <laughs> I could stay on this train all day long, but <laughs> one of the things that I'm so excited about that you're doing is, is not necessarily what you're speaking against, but what you're speaking for and the resource and the community that you're creating for people yes. like myself, people like my kids, yes. you're giving human beings an, uh, an opportunity to rethink, to relook, to still be a part of something that means a lot to them. So can you, you share yeah. a little bit about what Freed Hearts does and what are some of the, the key yeah. elements of, that you're doing? We have several major pieces of things that we do. We have developed community online for parents, groups for moms, a group for dads, and groups for the LGBTQ community. And that's a place where they can find like-minded people to really walk this journey with. We have developed resources of uh, beloved adventure courses we've done three so far well more than that you know it's a 21 day adventure and they're extremely affordable because we want nobody left out and if they need it as a gift we give it to them Uh, but it, it helps them the first one really reconstructs their conversation their internal conversation the second one's a mama bear journey and the third one is um journey beyond dysfunction and I'm working right now on one uh, that's reclaiming Harry Potter. So that's really <laughs> cool in connection to LGBTQ and other marginalized groups. But we do these resources because when I talk to people, I get emails every day from people who are terrified they're going to hell, who are terrified God hates them, and also who are facing the reality of parents who will reject them if they come out or they have rejected them. And I can't imagine being 15 and my parents telling me to get out of the house. Oh my gosh. And it's so common that it's tragic. Yeah. My daughter, when she came out and and to this day, and I've talked to her many times about this, but the moment she came out, I remember it was me and her sitting on her bed and I, and I asked her what was bringing up all of the emotion that she showed during that. Cause she's not an overly emotional kid. And she said, I was scared that God would hate me. And I was scared that you would hate me. And it blew my mind because that was not a message that I felt like our family was, was sharing on any way, shape or form. And we'd been in church circles since the moment she was born, but yet somehow, even though that was never spoken in our house that I'm aware of, somehow that is the message that she received from her faith community. And so I do think, you know, we, we can never overlook that reality of what young people are facing when they're trying to just be themselves. And my daughter, too, was so afraid we would not love her anymore 
and it breaks your heart because yes oh my gosh you're my child that would never be and yet you look around and it happens all the time and our kids have heard those stories they know these people right to whom this has happened and so it's it's like a, a crapshoot for them mm-hmm. they don't know if they'll be still in the family and that's just mind-blowing to me it's fun now to be on this side of it you know now that Mm -hmm. you know like i said my daughter's coming up on 19 and now like for this last thanksgiving she invited a friend of hers whose family had rejected her you know she invited her over to be a part of our family and so fun to be on that side of things that just just to say you're you're accepted you might not be accepted by your biological family but you're accepted here you know and that's yeah i mean you can just dive in and the water is great and you get to swim and have fun instead of avoiding (laughs) it like you're gonna drown it's it's so fun to actually be how jesus called us to be you know i'm not (laughs) overly referring to Jesus anymore like that, but, you know, to people who are afraid of that, this is, this is more like who you were meant to be than you ever were before. Right. Right. I love that. I love that. All right. Continue on. What are some things that we do at Freed Hearts? Yeah. Um, I, I've done a lot. Oh, we have our podcast, which has been very fun. We've done Mm -hmm. that in the last year, I guess. And uh, we're just keep cranking them out because we really reach a lot of people there. I had a TED talk that was so much fun and has reached, you know, over a million and a half people. Just a few. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So and I I've done a lot of traveling and speaking until the last few years, but it actually worked out because when we couldn't really travel anymore because of COVID, we ended up doing the courses. The online courses so and we have books and a lot of things but but we do a lot of reconciling a lot of reconciling people and you can find everything at the website it's all at freed hearts hearts that have been freed freedarts.org and everything is there so i i hope people will come say hi to me i'd love to be able to connect them yeah absolutely yeah okay conversation i find myself in a lot and and i'll share how i feel about it and then i'll give you your give you an opportunity to share about it a lot of people they they love their community they love their their faith community so much that uh, they're almost willing to stay in there even though they may be an affirming person somebody that you know um believes in full inclusion but you know in my community for example there are no inclusive churches you know there's a couple i I take that back there's some mainline inclusive churches there's no evangelical inclusive churches there's no modern inclusive churches and so a lot of people that i'll run into they you know they'll stay in their communities even though they know that this is a dissonance that they have mm-hmm. with the community. And so I want to, I want to have grace toward that person, but part of me struggles with that because, mm-hmm. and maybe this is just because it's so personal with me, but if my own child doesn't have equal rights to other people that go to that community, I, I personally won't go to it. Like I right. will not step foot in there for any reason, um, mm-hmm. just because that's, that's my own conviction i guess that's just you know and i always tell people boy if if your friend or family member who is latino or black couldn't get married in that church would you go to it and the answer Mm -hmm. is always no of course so it's you know i don't understand what the difference is 
but I find myself in the midst of a lot of fascinating conversations where people don't necessarily take the same approach that I do. So what have you heard or maybe what uh, personally do you experience in yeah. that front? Well, I, I first want to say that the cost to leave a community that you've been part of feels very high. Just as our kids anticipate, I'm never going to be able to fit there again. It's a very high cost people perceive they're going to have to pay to leave the church. And as you said, you you had to weigh out your income, you know, to leave. And so it takes a lot of courage. But on the other hand, you know, how much are you going to sit still for? And I think people kind of mollify their their thinking by saying, okay, I'm going to be the one that makes a difference. If I'm not there to speak up, then who's going to make a difference? But that's really um, an illusion because if the, the the leadership won't let it happen, if they're not open and ready to move forward, they're not going to let it happen. And you can pretend that you're going to be the, the uh, one who helps bring change, but you're not. They won't let it happen. So that's just a way to feel good usually by staying someplace that is being very unloving to an entire group of people and and unchristlike. And the other thing I discovered was that when I saw this, when we got out of this box of LGBTQ, we saw all the other ways that the church was, you know, racist and sexist. I knew it was sexist already. <laughs> and and other ways of you know exclusionary, not caring for people who are poor and in desperate situations, not really caring for them. They'll tell them to come to church more and pray more, but they won't do anything. They won't be Christ to them. And so when you're able to have courage enough to say, I'm not going to be here anymore, then other doors open up and you find yourself transforming as a person. You know, I know it's hard, but I think about people who sacrifice to move to another place so that their kids will have opportunity and they, they're going to miss the old things, but they get to the new place and it's a whole new opportunity. And when you step out of that box of evangelicalism and your, your existing community, you find so much more than you ever thought was out there. Yeah. And for those of you who are listening, who find yourself in that space in any way, shape or form, if wherever you are standing on whatever side of whatever line, and you're so scared to step over it, like Susan and I are great examples of we were there, we were scared out of our minds to do it as well. We did it. And you know, you already said it on this show. I've said it over and over and over. I couldn't be more excited and happy with my life on the other side of it now, because it's so, you know, I love that your organization is freed hearts because my heart feels a million times more free mm-hmm. on this mm-hmm. side of things. I still have a community that loves to talk about Jesus. It just looks different. I that's still right. do work that's so fulfilling and so meaningful. I still get to use my gifts. Even when I, you know, well, I didn't really step down. I kind of was forced out of my, <laughs> you know, my, my pastoral roles. Yes. You know, I paid my mortgage every month, you know, um, yeah. yes. I found my people, I, you know, yes. it's just, it's, it's going to, you know, it's going to be okay. And that's one of the great it things is. that freed hearts offers is even if you don't feel like you have that community in your own town or in your own space, freed hearts offers that community 
virtually in a way that maybe the only thing you need, or maybe the stepping stone that you need to get wherever you're going. And so I I love that you offer that. And yeah. And I, I honestly, I compare it to cleaning out your closet. It feels like, oh my gosh, you know, such a big thing. And you, when you really authentically pull stuff out, you may end up with 10, 10 items to put back in and you kind of really have to start over, but what you get in the new iteration is so much more you and so much more satisfying and and you don't miss that old stuff anymore you think you will and i you know i thought i would miss certain relationships and i don't it's it's kind of that kind of reveals what they were to begin with and we've had we've had a lot of moms in our group who's and dads say the same thing in their group but my husband runs a dad's group but in the mom's group they'll say you know, I was in that church 20 years. I raised kids. We raised kids together. And when we left, we didn't hear from a single person. <laughs> it's like, so what was that relationship then? Right. It was just based on proximity and all drinking the same Kool-Aid. Well, it's kind of good to know that if that's what it really is. And now I feel like I'm just, I'm standing in a completely different place. You know, as you said, I, I wouldn't go back for anything. And even if they change their views, it's like, I'm over that, you know, and, and our kids, our collective kids will say, you know, why would I go back there? Even if they say, okay, you're welcome now. It's like, great. I've got other things to do. Why would they go back? Right. right, And you realize that when you're not in, in the grips of it anymore, you realize, oh, there's, there's more to life than this. And it's very satisfying life. I think it's a shame that all of our community has been wrapped up, not around being Christ in the world, but around having the same theology in the world, because that's, that's destined for destruction. That's death. That's what we've seen. In the first 300 years after Christ, faith meant how you treat people. It was about how you treated people. And, and that's what it meant to be a Christian. And then it changed with the whole Nicene Creed and Constantine and all that and became about, you know, your belief system. Well, okay, well, on any given day, I might vary in my belief system. And certainly over years, you would think you'd want to vary in your belief system. Do I want to be the same I was 20 years ago? No way, not even five years ago. So the idea of going back to faith, meaning how we treat each other in community that really has legs and really gives us life but when it's all about assenting to the same belief system it's just destined for for breakage so if you are a parent that's facing this dilemma and you know that things aren't right in your church but you you don't know what to do and you're terrified i encourage you to just take some steps forward Take Jesus' hand and take some steps forward and you will find a whole new life that you never knew was possible. And contact us. We'll help you along the way. Life is really beautiful beyond the walls of the church and you have only but to discover it for yourself. As we bring it home today, I just want to remind everyone that faith is not about what we believe or how we believe. It's really about people and it's about caring for one another. And this reality of the struggle with 
inclusion of the LGBTQ plus community is a prime example of that, where we're putting our faith or our theology above our ability to care for one another. And that's just not what Jesus stood for. The other thing that I want to just make sure that we get across, which I think we did really well in this conversation, is simply that you don't have to accept being in a place that stands in opposition of how you think. There is hope on the other side of that, and I know it might feel like you're giving something up, but the reality is, on the other side, when you take that step of faith, that leap of faith, there's so much goodness right around the corner. Special thanks to Susan Cottrell. You can find out more about her and about Freed Hearts at freedhearts.org. Make sure you check them out. Of course, check out their podcast. Right when you get done listening to this one, pop over to theirs. It's a wonderful podcast. So many great topics to cover. Anything you could ever think of. And just a lot of fun to listen to as well. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts, so make sure you check me out on social media. I'm only on Facebook and Instagram. That's all I can handle, all right? So it's Matt Kinzera in both of those places. And of course, subscribe to this podcast, give it a five-star rating, and write a review. And until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.